Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Very interesting program. I think you're going to enjoy this. It uh, <clears throat> really ties into, I think, what we have been promoting for, well, quite a long time, since September of 2019, uh, because uh, this ties into uh, listening to that still small voice as well, uh, but also listening to one's body. Uh, we're going to talk about the true body intelligence. That's right. Today, we're going to discuss what that really means, what that's all about with my special guest, uh, and I'm so grateful that he has joined us. And again, this is the first time that um, I have ever interviewed anyone from, um, well, I, I, I can say it, Christopher Lee Maher. Uh, you are from, or you're in, I shouldn't say you're from, but you're in Transylvania. Is that correct? I'm in Transylvania, Romania. Transylvania, Romania. I'm glad I didn't say what I was thinking in terms of the other country that I was thinking of. But it's great to have you with us. Uh, we could go down that road, but we're not going to um, as far as Transylvania is concerned. <clears throat> but it's great to have you with us. I do want to remind our listeners we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And special edition of Tell Me Your Story, Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we are also on YouTube where you can listen to and you can watch these interviews. Uh, hopefully you'll do so. And subscribe either to the uh, podcast and or to the video cast on YouTube. Tell me your story. Richard Dugan is the channel. Okay, so let's talk a little bit here about... Uh, true body intelligence. Now, I learned something many years ago. I mean, we're talking almost 40 years ago that sort of uh, that may or may not tie into this. OK, and and you're going to keep me on the straight and narrow here, Chris, because uh, and by the way, can I call you Chris or Christopher? Christopher. Christopher. All right. Christopher, I learned about um, this this muscle testing. Uh, that, that I was taught many years ago. It's, it's kind of like you take this hand and you close up this and you need to take this one and you link them like it links in a chain. Then you answer, you say yes and no. And if it's no, they come apart. If it's yes, they stay together. Uh, and, um, and now I cannot remember the name of the technique, the, the, the modality, uh, but I know you're probably, you're familiar with it. Yes. Yeah. The body doesn't lie to us, and it tells us, it lets us know when there is uh, dis-ease, discomfort. I had a discomfort back in August of 2021. I thought it was indigestion. Most guys, you know, you got a pain in the frontal area, uh, your chest, your abdomen, what have you. Ah, dear, it's just indigestion. Turned out I had a gallbladder that was infected and a gallstone the size of a golf ball. And it just so happens it was around the time of the Olympics. And I uh, joked afterwards that I had won the gold medal in the gallbladder clean and jerk. Um, <laughs> so the body was telling me something. But also there, there had to have been symptoms that I wasn't picking up on that could have notified me prior to all of that. Not that I could have really done anything to reduce the gallstone necessarily uh, or the infection. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but at least I would have been forewarned that, oh, you know what? You better go see a doctor, have it checked, and then 
at least it wouldn't be emergency surgery because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're talking about when we talk about true body intelligence? The body is intelligent, if you will, and it communicates with us, right? Constantly. I mean, true <laughs> body in- <laughs> Constantly. And uh, one of those clues would have been um, having an intense amount of gas. Okay. Did not. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, but that's one. The gallbladder's job is to do what? Is to concentrate the bile, right? And then send that concentrated bile down to digest and the, uh, the fat inside of the protein that you just ate. Mm-hmm. Besides some other things that, that, that sure. it's meant to do. So, but true body intelligence is more about getting, I would say, systems that allow you to address whatever's going on for you. So when you look at the average human being, everyone's dealing with some level of stress. Some people have relationship stress. Some people have financial stress. Some people have gallbladder stress. Some people have uh, mental, emotional stress. And so those stressors, they continue to build steam in your body meaning they get bigger every week, every month, every year. And there's always, like you pointed out, there's always a little sign. Mm -hmm. And if we continue to ignore the signs, like someone in a car driving up a hill and it says dead end (laughs) cliff (laughs) and and the person, what do they do? The average human being, they keep on driving because they want to keep doing what they're used to doing because they're used to their routine. And so true body intelligence is about breaking the pattern. And what I mean is every person that's dealing with something that's stressful has to have a successful pattern interrupt. Mm. And so what we've put together here, true body intelligence are systems that break those patterns and create instantaneous permanent change. Now you have a very interesting background. Um, You were a Navy SEAL. Yes. Uh, and uh, this, now I don't know what this means. 1.8% body fat or, or what have you. I don't know what that has anything to do with as far as my, my body fat or I guess it's uh, uh, in, that rega- in that regard. All I know is that I went from 100 and I, I'll put it this way. I went from 200 pounds and I'm five. Let's just put it this way. The last time I was measured, I was 5'8". I thought I was 5'9". At some point in my early years, I, was, I thought I was 5'11". I have a feeling that was with shoes on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and I, was two, I actually reached 200 pounds. Now, okay. I reached 200 pounds. And it wasn't the weight that was uncomfortable. It was the number. I said, that is not me. I, I am not 200 pounds, period. And so I, I at least, if I could even get down to 195 or back to 199 even, I would feel more comfortable because that two in front of the zeros just – I couldn't deal with I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> um, then over a year ago, October, uh, uh, July of 2020, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Mm. All right? Now – a lot of people say, oh, my God, that's terrible. Now, most of our listeners, they've heard this story um, at nauseum 
<laughs> but I'll tell it again anyway. And my doctor okay. says, Richard, it's going to be a long, long road. And I said, no, it's not. Now, by the way, this is after about a half hour of shock. Like, oh, geez, wow, I, what am I going to do? And, you know, I said, no, it's not going to be a long road because I know how I got here. The pandemic. Because what did everybody go to? They went to comfort foods. And what's in comfort foods? Sugars and carbs. And um, I said, it's not going to take long. And by the middle of September of that same year, 2020, my blood sugar was down to normal. Uh. I completely and have not had since then. The 23rd of July, 2020 was the last day I ever had a soft drink, a soda, a Coke, a Pepsi, a 7-Up, whatever you want to call it. Haven't had. Not one. Um, I have switched to these flavored sparkling waters that have zero calories, zero carbs, zero uh, um, uh, calories, carbs, and uh, sugar. None. None of that. And I like them. And I was told, oh, you know, you can still drink beer, but it has to be light beer because, again, of the carbs. Okay. Um, It's been normal ever since. And when I went in for that checkup when I was diagnosed – I went from 195 down to 182. Mm. So good. Yeah. Then I went in for the gallbladder surgery in 2021, August. And apparently the bed is a scale too. (laughs) So we got it calibrated. The nurse and I got it calibrated. I got out and she zeroed it. I was down to 174. Now, I don't think I'm wasting away. I just, I've always wanted to be down into the 170s. Because that's where I was when I was 38, which isn't probably realistic now that I'm 61. And you're still a young man, my friend. You're still a young man. And uh, I'm just curious as to when we monitor these kinds of things. Uh, for example, my high blood pressure, I monitored it for like three years. I'd put the information in my memo. I still have the memos on my phone. And it became uh, sort of an obsession it became sort of uh, obsessive to where um, I had to stop because I was driving myself nuts. You know, it's like, are you kidding? You know, you're, you're focused too much on this. Do we, mm-hmm. is that something that can be a problem when you're talking about this true body intelligence and you're focusing on, uh, uh, on a particular area that actually – by focusing on it, you actually may be doing yourself, so to speak, more harm than good. Well, the thing about it, true body intelligence, there's no focus on dis-ease or disease. There's only a focus on wellness, mm-hmm. meaning getting well and doing things that make you feel really good. So, for instance, I love that you had a pattern interrupt. You made a decision and your pattern interrupt was simple. I'm no longer eating. I'm no longer drinking soft drinks. And I'm sure you pulled back a little bit on, on the desserts as well. And look what happened. You yeah. interrupted that pattern that you had generated since the last time you were 38 years old. So when we look at the body and true body intelligence, we're talking about something completely different. What mainstream America or anyone else really knows in the world. And what I mean by that is we're diminishing lifetime accumulated stress loads. And then the focus is on what? 
doing things that make you feel good and eliminating the things that make you feel bad. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Christopher Lee uh, Maher, and we are talking about – he is a, a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL, right? Former Navy SEAL. And we're talking about true body intelligence here on Tell Me Your Story. We're bringing you new paradigms for a new world, whether that be uh, globally, nationally, uh, locally, or physically. We're trying to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual changes in our lives to make this a better world for ourselves and everybody else around us. And we hope that you will stay with us here on the program to continue to investigate uh, many of these areas. How did you become so interested in and then create the true body intelligence? Uh, I don't know if it's a company, organization, foundation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How did you? How did you come up with this? I mean, I got into this because I was in pain, and I had um, started to lose my hearing. I started to lose my vision, and I ended up with a lot of pain in my joints. I was always really lean because I was always really active. So I could basically eat and drink what, what, whatever I wanted. Now, when you're in pain, and of course, I was the type of person that when you're a Navy SEAL and you're in discomfort, you don't tell anybody because it's, it's sort of like against the code. When you're in SEAL training and you're hurting, one of the instructors simply says, listen, if you can deal with it, don't worry about it, which means if you can run through your pain, if you can swim through your pain, if you can do calisthenics through your discomfort, meaning you can turn on your mind, then don't put too much attention on it. And I had basically adopted that philosophy. So I was suffering. I was in pain. I was losing my hearing, losing my vision, having terrible night's sleep. I had tons of insomnia for tons of years. And guess what happened? I had to reach out to somebody because I was hurting. And then that person led me to the next person. And that person helped me a little bit. And that person led me to the next person. So it was really a deep investigation on how to get out of chronic pain, get my vision and my hearing back to normal. It seems as though, and I've brought this up before on this program, that the over 700,000 human beings living beings that we have lost due to the pandemic uh, has been for primarily, as they like to use the term, underlying conditions. Yes. Heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and of course the list goes on. And I'm not one for conspiracy theories. I, I detest them. I want the facts. I want to know exactly what is going on. But it seems to me that our food system, especially in this country, among other things, has been designed over the years to weaken our body's specifically immune system to the point where we get these diseases, as I will call, as I'll phrase them. So that we become susceptible to all of these different bugs <laughs> that exist in the world, especially something of, of this nature. Whereas if our immune systems were strengthened, we would probably 
We probably still might get, feel ill. We still might end up bedridden for a short period of time, but it wouldn't kill us. Or uh, we would stand a better chance because our, this was the way it was described to me, our military force, internal, our immune system, okay, would be strong enough to fight these things off. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, we, you're talking about different forms of immunity. So when you talk about nonspecific immunity, nonspecific immunity is designed to go in and fight off what whatever comes in. So if your sleep is poor and your diet is poor and the food that you're purchasing from the stores of poor quality, it's only a matter of time before you end up with some disease, whether it's fungus in your toenails, whether it's vision issues, whether it's a sleep disorder, like everyone that you know that is suffering from something, if you reverse engineer how they live their life, you can trace it back to a few things, poor sleep habits and poor quality food. And you're absolutely correct. Now, my feeling is that Americans for some reason, and I've traveled around the world, like to be active and get a lot of things done. And so our food system that we have designed for our social and work habits has been one for convenience and profit. Mm -hmm. And so when convenience and profit are the priority when it comes to food, you're going to get poor quality food. Because if you want to get, I, I live in Los Angeles. So mm -hmm. if you want to get high quality food in Los Angeles, you can't go to Whole Foods. You got to go to a farmer's market, mm -hmm. right? Luckily we have like 60 farmer's markets in, in Los Angeles. Wow. Well, guess what? You got to spend your Saturday, right? You got to go, you got to walk around, you got to shop, you got to pick things up. I mean, it's, it's inconvenient. Okay. It's easier to pull up to Whole Foods, run in really quickly, grab, grab this tiny little, uh, grab and go box, throw a bunch of food in it, put it in your car and start eating or sit at a bench outside. But it's a lot more time and energy, especially on your day off, which is Saturday or Sunday. Now you got to spend two or three hours devoted to go buying quality food. And then you got to spend time and energy preparing that food. So the average human being doesn't think about those kinds of things because they're so stressed out by the workload that they have, that they don't have time to put aside to focus on what are the things that make me feel really good because they become so desensitized, they don't even know they feel bad. Yeah, they get used to it. They, they get totally used get to used it. to it. Yeah. It's uh, like a, a, a good friend and a programmer that I used to produce back in the early 80s, mid 80s, back in Phoenix. Uh, his name, he was, he, he was a doctor, but he was a chiropractor. Not a doctor, he was a chiropractor. <laughs> and uh, uh, he used to talk about this all the time. He says that people just get used to the pain. 
in their knees, in their joints, or wherever the pain is, and they just figure, I, I just have to live with it. And he was always saying, you do not have to live with it. Now, he wasn't necessarily promoting chiropractic. He was promoting nutrition. He was promoting good health, preventative. Uh, we're going to talk more about this as we continue talking with Christopher Lee uh, Maher, and we're talking about his website, which we are going to be linked to, Christopher, so that people can uh, find out more about not only you, but also about the work that you're doing through True Body Intelligence. And, of course, the website is truebodyintelligence.com. And we encourage you to go to his website and find out more about uh, the work that he is doing as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. We are bringing you new paradigms for a new world here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for staying with us as we continue talking with our very special guest, and I think an important guest as well, especially from the background that he has uh, as a Navy SEAL. Now, I have to believe, uh, Christopher, that you you had, had to have had uh, in training and even as a Navy SEAL, you had to have quite a a physical, mental, emotional, nutritional, if you will, regiment in order to be ready to go at, at any given moment. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, in SEAL training in the SEAL teams, because your metabolism is running so fast, it's simply grab and eat anything that's out in front of you. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah. so, so there wasn't a set, shall we say, diet, uh, the Navy SEAL diet, uh, you know, of fruits and vegetables and, and balance and all of this kind of stuff? No, no, because what happens is when you're in SEAL training and the SEAL teams, you're in really cold water. Okay. Right? Like all, all, all the time. So 53, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of work in Kodiak, Alaska, right? So off the coast there. So imagine you're in a dry, it's literally, it's freezing. So Burr. you need a lot of... Uh, you need to be packing in the calories at all times because if you don't, you're going to get too lean. And I was too lean in SEAL training. That 1.8% body fat landed me in full-blown hypothermia where my core temperature was 87.6 degrees. Oh. Okay. So my heart went into what's called ventricular fibrillation and I was hospitalized. Mm. So when I finally had one instructor pull me aside and said, listen, you need to eat uh, a lot of food before you go to sleep. So I basically was gorging down anything that was available to me. And then I started packing on more weight and more weight. And then that set me up so that I could deal with the cold water. And for me personally, and a lot of guys in the SEAL teams, they're, they're very lean. And you want as much body fat as possible. Okay, so when so I got out of the SEAL teams is when I really got interested in nutrition right? Because I moved into, my focus was on attempting to get to the Olympic trials. Hmm. Now, uh, this, these experiences that you've had, especially with your own health, now, you, you started, as you say, putting on the weight, packing away the weight. Uh, where were you weight-wise before you began this, this program of yours? Okay, not so much the, the, the True Body Intelligence program, but as a SEAL, when your when your instructor told you this, when your your commanding officer told you, you, you know you gotta you gotta fix this. Um, what what was your weight before, and then when you finally reached the the weight that allowed you uh, to participate in a way that didn't put you at risk? 
Yeah, I was 130 pounds, and Whoa. then I beefed up to 168 pounds. Well, that doesn't seem like much. How tall are you? I am five foot nine and three quarters. Unbelievable! Uh, that does not seem like much. You, you in your what? May I ask what your weight is today? My weight is 168 pounds. Okay, so you've maintained that. Yeah. Now, how comfortable or uncomfortable was that for you? Not only when you were told you got to put on some weight, you got to fix this problem. Uh, and, and then of course, when you put on that extra 30 pounds, 30 plus pounds, uh, it was a lot for me. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't someone who was used to having a lot of food in my stomach. I didn't like having a lot of food in my stomach cause it made me feel uncomfortable. Mm. And then when I'm eating all this food right before I'm going to bed and I'm eating an extra meal right before I even go to seal training, um, every single morning I'm, I'm eating two extra meals and, you know, at SEAL training, one of the things that uh, the instructors always make you do is you have to run everywhere. Like you're never walking. Yeah. You run to breakfast. If you got to go to the dentist, you run to the dentist. If you got to go to the bathroom, you run to the bathroom. Like <laughs> you're always in motion. And so when you have all that extra food in your stomach and your digestion and your, it's, it's a lot to be running around that way. Wow. Wow. Well, it doesn't sound like uh, uh, something that, that most of us would, would feel comfortable doing. I mean, as I shared with you just a little while ago, when I hit 200 pounds, it wasn't so much the weight as much as it was the, the, mental, uh, uh, the, 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 the mental stress that it put on me that that's not my number. <laughs> that's yeah. not my lucky number. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you feel it all that way when, um, when you did put on the, uh, the extra 30 pounds or so, that's really not my number. However, I've got to do this because. Yeah. I mean, I like to be lean and fast. And so that didn't really match up with sort of my, my personal goals, which is in seal training in the seal teams, you have guys that are runners. You got guys that are swimmers. You got guys that are shooters. You got, you got guys that are, they have a thing that they're really good at. And then the other things are kind of okay. And kind of so, so, but my thing was definitely running. And when you add another 30 plus pounds to your body, it slows you down a bit. Mm. Now you have, um, in terms of the work that you have done, uh, to help people to experience their true inner power, you have eight stepping stones, as it were, to inner freedom. Tell me how this relates uh, to uh, this process, because, again, as, as we've mentioned, this is not just a body thing. This is not just a, uh, 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 we got to get the body in shape. We're talking about the whole human being, the whole person, body, mind, and spirit, if you will. So tell us well, about these eight steps and, and uh, how they are incorporated into the true body intelligence. Yeah, well, the eight steps are eight modules, and each module is focused on a different aspect of yourself. So one, one of the modules is probably the most difficult, is called the daily drugs. And so the daily drugs are acceptable drugs. Acceptable drugs would be refined sugar, white, white or brown, um, food colorings, preservatives, alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, and now marijuana and uh, pharmaceutical drugs and recreational drugs for people 
on the weekends. And so these substances, what they do is they come in and they create a bunch of havoc in your nervous system because they put your nervous system in fight or flight. So that's one module. And the module is there to help you move away from your daily drugs. Let's say you pick one, like, okay, what's the one you're most, what's your favorite drug is what I say to people. And they'll say, mine is caffeine. Okay. Well, slowly break away from the caffeine. And then I have a plan for them. And then the other modules around, uh, around sleep, sexuality, communication, honesty, all the important things that someone needs to change in order to feel really, really, really good. And so the modules are 45 to 60 minutes long, and then they're followed up with what's called a transmutative meditation, where I teach them how to use your brain to break these patterns so they no longer have control over you anymore. And of course, I'm sure that this is all encompassed in the book, Free for Life. It's a Navy SEAL's path to inner freedom and outer peace. And uh, our guest is, of course, the author thereof, as well as the founder of True Body Intelligence, Christopher Lee Maher. And uh, we are talking with him here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I'm sure glad that Christopher is with us here on the program today to talk to us about uh, these different areas. Um, when we here on this program uh, talk about – by the way, did you notice how I became plural all of a sudden? When we <laughs> – I, I shift back and forth. Uh, you know, I I have this, uh, this condition, uh, multiple personality uh, – a manifestation. It's not a disorder. Uh, I, <laughs> anyway, when we talk about uh, this issue on the program, we also talk about um, finding, finding, uh, listening to that still small voice. I want to talk a little bit about our inner life, your inner life, uh, and and what it has taken for you. Uh, to develop that, because most people would probably think that anybody who is involved in the military or in any kind of, um, oh, uh, how do I, I can't think exactly how to put it, so I'm just going to leave it at that military uh, endeavor. And I have to tell you that I have a great deal of respect and appreciation for what you and and other uh, people go through when they choose to uh, enlist and, and become a part of that group because I love the aspect uh, of brotherhood, of that connection, of that community, of that commitment. You know, Christopher, I've got your six, you know, and we ain't going, if you get hit, we ain't going to leave you behind kind of thing. God forbid you have to be put into service and put into harm's way, but I love the fact that in the training process, they that's something that they reinforce within you, that these aren't just some guys that these this is your family now. All right. But it's it's even deeper than your your blood family. All right. You may love your brother or your sister, or your parents, what have you. But this goes beyond that. And I think that's one of the aspects of it that I wish we could incorporate more into our society, into our civilization. Then we might not have quite the polarization uh, in this country in particular that we have. But that aside, 
Most people would not think that you would have much of a spiritual side to you because all they see is the outer physical manifestation of what it is that you are being trained for or trained to do, trained to learn and so forth. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, if, if in fact there is, because I know they have chaplains and that's a different story, uh, but tell me about the spiritual aspects, let's just say, of being a Navy SEAL. I think the spiritual aspect for me and a lot of guys in the teams is when you're there, you understand right and wrong. You know, for me, spirituality is about your ethics, your morals, your values and your principles and your integrity and how willing you are to um, honor those when it's easy not to. Okay. Sometimes you have to, lean on meditation. Sometimes you got to lean on discipline. Sometimes you have to lean on an open mind. Other times you have to be willing to use a critical mind to look at yourself objectively. Sometimes you have to, um, sometimes you have to seek peace from within, just get away, clear your mind and get back to your center. And so a lot of guys use different things. I mean, for me, my spirituality when I was in the SEAL teams uh, was prayer. Mm -hmm. Or on my weekends when I was away from SEAL training, I would go for a run. Or when I was in the SEAL teams and we were deployed and we got finished our work day, I would go for a run. I would go play basketball. I would go to the chapel. I would meditate. I would do whatever I needed to do that felt good to me if I started to get a little bit too stressed or, or too full of myself and, you know, the guys in the SEAL teams, they make sure you never get too full of yourself. <laughs> mm, yeah. Now do, do they, do they, that, that's not referred to as, <laughs> that's not referred to as hazing necessarily, but it is a way to sort of keep you in check so that you don't go off on your own. Cause one of the things that I've said um, and, and I've observed from the outside, bear in mind, that's, I'm on the outside here, is that being a SEAL is not a democratic system. You do not get to choose, nor do you get to exercise your constitutional right of individualism within the, within the structure of the military, because if you did, nothing would get done. Because each guy is going, or gal is going to go off and do their own thing, thinking they know better. Right? Yeah. Well, the good thing about the military, you're absolutely correct. The good thing about military is they have rank. Yeah. And so rank is based on your skill level and how well you can operate, plus the amount of time you have in service. And so that kind of helps keep guys in check, especially in the SEAL teams, because when you're... When you get into your first platoon, the guys make it really obvious to you. My LPO came up to me and he said, look, you're an FNG. And while you're in this platoon, which means you're, a, you're an FN new guy, mm -hmm. I hope I never hear your mouth. Which <laughs> meant you're an FN new guy. You're here to learn how to be an operator. Shut up and listen and pay attention. And 
that for me was a shock because I was thinking I went to a boarding school growing up and there were 16 guys in my student home. There were 16 guys in a SEAL team platoon. I thought I was going to go in. It was going to be buddy, buddy. But the LPO and the chief kind of let me know right away, you don't know anything. You need to pay attention to everything. And I thought, okay, I got the message. Mm -hmm. But there are still some individuals who do and, you know, go in and it takes a while for, for them to get the message, doesn't it? Yeah, well, not in the SEAL team. No. Okay. Because they are going to take it to you. There, there's not going to be any holding back. And um, guys are looking for a reason to put you in check. Okay. Okay. Now, so, and that's something well, that they have to be trained to do too. They have to be trained uh, that look, this is the way you're going to treat the FNGs. All right. Yeah. Because we have to have we have to have discipline. They have to know that the orders that you give, they have to follow uh, and so forth. And, uh, and, and I know that there's an oath that one takes when entering, if, if I'm not mistaken, that has something well, to do with that. Is that correct? No. no? The, the only oath that there is is the only easy day was yesterday. <laughs> that's it. That, that's the only oath they have. And, okay. you know, th that's painted on the wall when you first go into SEAL training. And when you see that, suddenly you realize every day is going to be harder than next. So the guys that sort of were, were from what I call the movie generation, when the first movie came out called SEAL Teams, uh, by day seven or eight or nine or 10 within SEAL training, those guys were quitting because they had to get out of the fantasy and get in reality. And the reality is when you go to SEAL training and SEAL teams, it's you put out 100% every day and no less. And if you give any less, so someone's going to notice and then they're going to bring it to everyone's attention. And then the spotlight is going to be turned on you. And you're going to do everything you can to get that spotlight off you and most likely get your act together. Because in the, in the SEAL team community, my experience was there is only acceptance for perfection. Mm. You're, not, you're not here to make mistakes. If you make a mistake, somebody could lose their life. Mm. Let me ask you about your decision and level of commitment. Now, obviously, you entered uh, the military, but not necessarily as a SEAL. You had a, there was a starting point. What was your starting yeah, there, point? Yeah, yeah, my starting point was I walked downstairs, and my brother had a biannual magazine about SEAL training. I read it, and I went to the recruiters three days later because – I, that was the thing that I wanted. Uh, the picture, there's guys running down the beach. They've got telephone poles and they had all these interesting pictures with guys skydiving and shooting. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get challenged physically. I'm going to get challenged mentally. I'm going to get challenged emotionally. I'm definitely going to get challenged spiritually. That's the place that I think can push me to my edge. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted. That's what you wanted. 
Was it about serving or was it more about personal growth, if you will? Uh, For me, it was both. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely both. Interesting. And I know a lot of people, they join for a lot of different reasons. So you can actually, because I always thought it was another step becoming a a Navy SEAL. Uh, You had to join the Navy and start out, you know, I don't know what the first rank is as a sailor, what have you. Uh, And then you worked your way up and then and you could then choose to go into the Navy SEALs. Is it actually an area you can choose to go in from the get go? Well, there when I was in, in when I first went, there was a thing called the Dive Fair program, and you could go basically to boot camp, to your A school, and straight to SEAL training. My recruiter failed to tell me about that program, and I went to boot camp. Then I went to my school, and I went to a ship called the USS Fulton in New London, Connecticut, which I was not happy about at all. I mean, at all, because I only went into the military for one reason. That was to become a U.S. Navy SEAL. Mm. Well, I tell you, it's to me, it's fascinating to to talk with uh, folks such as yourself who who make this kind of a commitment uh, and who who realize it sounds to me like you did from the very beginning what you were getting yourself into. Because I know that a lot of people, they'll get into it and realize, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I thought I'd be traveling the world, you know, <laughs> and it was some kind of a cruise or something. Uh, and that is not what it's about. But as I said, I, I have a great deal of respect and appreciation for the things that you have learned, as well as the the bonding, if you will, the commitment uh, to that family uh, that that you became a part of, that you chose to become a part of. They say that you can, uh, you, you cannot, uh, you can't pick your relatives, but you can pick your family. And that's really what uh-huh. you did. Uh-huh. Are you still in connection, contact with uh, the, the members of your, what, platoon? Uh, the members of my platoon, the challenge is when you get out of the SEAL teams, and I, I got out, what, this is 1997. So, um, when you separate from that community mm-hmm. and I decided to go to school and study, your buddies are, how do we say this? They're now in a new platoon and now they're going to a different place, right? They may go to a different SEAL team and guys splinter apart and they go in different directions. I kept in touch with a handful of guys. And then as I continue to grow into my own pathway, um, I lose more and more touch with that aspect of my old life. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that you uh, are in touch with us here on Tell Me Your Story. I think that uh, these are the kinds of stories people need to hear about in terms of not only uh, the life that you chose through the Navy SEAL, but also SEALs, but also the life that you have chosen up to this day with TrueBodyIntelligence.com, True Body Intelligence, and also the, the book that you have written. And um, I, I think that it's, it, again, I think it's really, really important for people to, uh, uh, to be aware that, that if you're going to live your life, and I'd love for you to, to talk about this in just a moment, but if you're going to live your life, then live it. Do something with it. Uh, Free for Life is the title of the book. It's a Navy SEAL's path to inner freedom. 
and Outer Peace. And we are talking with the author Christopher Lee Maher, and he is the uh, the author of this book, as well as the creator of, the founder of True Body Intelligence. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we're very grateful to have our guest with us here on the program. By the way, Chris, Christopher, if we um, if I haven't mentioned it already, we are going to be linked to your website so people can get more information about the work that you are doing, as well as get a copy of your book, which I'm sure is available on Amazon and all of the traditional outlets that are out there. They're e- it's easy to find. Just put in uh, Free for Life and... Um, and go from there or click on the link that we have through the SoundCloud uh, uh, app. Uh, when you're listening to the interview, you can click on his name and boom, it's going to take you right to his website. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, this inner life, if you will. Uh, how, were you, uh, how were you raised spiritually? I was raised initially Catholic. And then I went to a boarding school for 10 years and... It was non-denominational and I was in a course in the choir and, um, and so when I went to church, I got into the singing and the feeling and I loved the final message and the boarding school that I went to is in Hershey, Pennsylvania, it's named Milton Hershey school. And they always had some very interesting person around the world come in every Sunday and give us a powerful message. And I sat there for 10 years, what, maybe 47 Sundays out of every year, and I listened to a powerful message. So we're talking 470 to 500 insanely powerful messages from really interesting, highly developed humans that went through something in their life and found some value and found a really deep connection with spirit and they wanted to inspire and share something personal. And today your, your inner life is, is more focused uh, because you're, you're not in the midst of that, uh, uh, that experience, if you will, uh, of, of being a Navy SEAL. Are there certain aspects of that that you uh, that you absolutely uh, wish you could go back to uh, and and not so much re-experience, but continue to experience that really, shall we say, fed your soul? Yeah, I mean, the camaraderie for me was was uh, sort of like the one that I had when I went to boarding school. As I said earlier, we had 16 guys in a student home with 16 guys in a SEAL team platoon. And in a SEAL team platoon, you basically have four officers. And in every student home I was in in boarding school, we had four officers. So there was a lot of crossover. Um, I miss that. But what I've done instead is I've decided to spend my time and my energy and all of my efforts building another family of people that have like minds and are focused in the same direction. Right, they're into growing themselves mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Diet is important to them. Being of service is important to them. And now I've grown a whole new family. And the difference is, uh, there's never anyone in my life attempting to cut me down. So when I was in boarding school and the SEAL teams, that part of it is kind of rough and harsh, right? Somebody's always teasing and poking at you, and teasing and poking at you. 
And now I, I really don't participate that way. Well, I, uh, I have to say that uh, I, I went to public school. I was also born and raised a Catholic. And um, I still remember <laughs> I still remember first grade. Uh, the nuns were oh so supportive. I must tell you, they were just wonderful people. Uh, I would get chased across the field, and they were uh, eh, let's just put it this way: they didn't show me a whole lot of kindness, which I was kind of surprised at, even in the first grade. <laughs> Then I had I went the same pub- experience. Yeah. But I, I learned from that um, and uh, um, I grew from it, of course. I went to public school in the second grade and went through uh, all of that. And I was very fortunate. And I don't know about you, but I still have a great love for the church because I love the ritual, the tradition, the ceremony. Talk to me a little bit about that aspect of uh, your life today, especially in the context of uh, uh, what rituals, ceremonies, and or traditions that you uh, you uh, uh, participated in, even as a Navy SEAL. I know there have to be some. I mean, our rituals and ceremony is a ceremony when I was in the SEAL teams was celebration mm-hmm. for a job well done and hard work. Um, you know, when guys put in good, solid effort and they're serving powerfully to their country, they get an opportunity to maybe save a life. And whenever somebody did something really outstanding, the entire SEAL team got together and the captain of that SEAL team would present them with an award or a chit, something that said, Hey, this guy's in our, he's on our team. Um, he's with us and he's doing profound work and you get celebrated that way. And the beautiful thing about that is guys in the SEAL teams, they have respect for you. And respect is everything in the SEAL teams. I mean, it's everything. And if you don't have that, your experience in the teams is not so great. Yeah. Yeah. Is that respect something that you have to work really hard to achieve from the others. It's not something that's just, yeah, you're in the seals and we're in training together. So yeah, I respect you because you're here. No, uh, uh-uh. you have to earn the respect in the seal team. So if it's called being a good operator, right? A guy that's reliable, he's on time, he shoots well. Um, if he's tasked with a job, he gets it done to absolute perfection There's no excuses. There's just no nonsense. Like it's totally unacceptable in the SEAL teams. You're always under the pressure of getting the job done right. Because guys know what's at risk. What's at risk is our lives. We have a job that's unique in the sense that everything we do, if you make a mistake, you can die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like literally everything. Yeah. Now, if I may ask uh, this last question regarding your SEAL uh, experience, uh, did you and your platoon see combat? Seek combat? No, I did you? No, in... no. Did you see combat? Were you put into harm's way by your superiors? Put into harm's way. Well, I mean, we were put into harm's way a lot. Uh, but in terms of uh, how do we say this? Um, oh, this is the easy way to say it. Uh, when I was in the teens, we were in what you would call peacetime. Okay. Okay. So 
harm's way would be um how do we say it there was no Af afghan afghanistan okay. wasn't kicked up all those kinds of things weren't going on there were other things going on in the world mm -hmm. uh but i wasn't participating in those okay I just was curious uh, uh, in that regard, uh, and it's it's um, you know it's it's one of those things. I'm sure that even uh, uh, people in the military would really rather not have to fight, would not have to be put in harm's way, have to go and defend this, that, or the other thing. But again, that's what they're there for. That is what that is what they are there to do. And yeah, uh, I mean that's what you're trained for. Right, that's exactly. What you've signed up for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Christopher Lee Maher, my guest. This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us here on the program. Christopher, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, there's a whole lot more I'm sure that we could talk about, but as uh, as you uh, well know, even within the context of uh, the work that you are doing as well as being a Navy SEAL, there's only so much time. The clock uh, it does tend to control, although I would venture there were certain instances where you folks were, you, you were being tested and uh, they weren't going to stop until they knew that they had gotten they'd gotten to you kind of thing so uh, but i thank you so much for being with us i do have three final questions that i do want to ask you but again my uh, my great appreciation for your giving us so much time wonderful yeah uh, before I ask you those three final questions, let me tell you folks, I thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Also, the 9 a.m. Wednesday broadcast, which is our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Hope you'll join us for that as well. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Tune in radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeart, Amazon Music, and many other locations as well. And we also encourage you to go to YouTube, the Tell Me Your Story Richard Dugan channel, where you can watch these interviews. I hope that you will do just that. And uh, if you can support us financially, we would re really be gratefully appreciative of that. All you have to do is go to PayPal, and uh, you can uh, you can send us uh, uh, whatever you can afford to send us, if you can. Uh, and they'll ask you what email address to send it to, and it's richard at richarddugan.com. That is usually the email. We also have a link on our homepage that you can just click on that and it'll take you straight there. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have helped and for those who uh, will help. And uh, soon we will have a Venmo uh, link as well. So hopefully uh, we can do that as well. And again, we use those specifically for your for your security as well as ours. We want to keep everybody safe. We don't want anybody to, to have any problems in that regard. We also ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within, spend some time in that quiet, peaceful place, listening to that still, small voice, uh, working on uh, and getting to know who you are, both the light as well as the shadow side. The more we know about ourselves, as hard as it might be sometimes, the better we understand others. And uh, I think that's a wonderful thing, especially in the context of the subtitle of your book, Christopher, and that has to do with Free for Life, uh, dealing with inner freedom and outer 
peace. So folks, uh, take the time to do that. And with all of that being said, let me ask the first of three questions that I like to ask all of my guests. You may have addressed these questions and or their answers uh, uh, within the context of the interview, but I like to ask them directly. And the first of those three is, who is Christopher Lee Maher? Uh, Christopher Lee Maher is a man who is devoted to growing beyond his limitations, investigating, curious, and will look under every stone possible so that I can share whatever I learn to everyone that I know. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Uh, To reduce the lifetime accumulated stress load on the planet and to motivate, you know, 8,000 practitioners to go out there and and, uh, leave a legacy of, of peace and happiness and joy. I love it. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Oh, to love and be loved, to be kind and receive kindness. Well, we thank you again for joining us, uh, and uh, we really do appreciate your story. I hope people will go to truebodyintelligence.com, find out more. We'll be linked to his website, folks. So please uh, take, a, take a moment and go to his website uh, and see the work that he's doing. Pick up a copy of his book as well, and uh, we certainly hope that you will do just that. Pick up a copy of Free for Life. It is a Navy SEALs, a Navy SEALs path to inner freedom and outer peace. And I thank you. For listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.